0: Hey, welcome to Lakes Free Church on this uh, special kickoff Sunday, Back to Life Sunday here at Lakes Free. Uh, My name is Jason Carlson. If we haven't met, I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, we've been so anxiously looking forward to this day because uh, when fall arrives, it's the beginning of a new ministry year here at Lakes Free. And for us, that means uh, a lot of great things begin uh, kicking off this morning and this coming week. Uh, Today, we're resuming all of our adult Bible fellowship groups, our children. Children's Ministry, our Student Ministry, lots of great ways to get connected. Uh, I know many of you are fairly new to our church, and if you haven't uh, taken some of those next steps to, to make those broader connections beyond attending worship, we would love for you to visit one of our Adult Bible Fellowship groups. For example, uh, if you stop by our Next Steps desk this morning, we have a handy little reference guide here that tells you all the different groups that are meeting, both at nine and ten forty, uh, and gives a little description of those groups. And again, we'd love for you to try one or more of those out in the coming weeks and find a a smaller community within Lakes Free Church to be a part of. It's a great way for connection, for fellowship, for support and uh, it's really the heartbeat of our church those adult bible fellowships we also again as i mentioned are starting up our children's ministry and youth ministry today in this coming week and we're really excited about that i want to thank all of you who have uh, stepped forward to serve in those areas uh, we place a huge priority on the next generation here at our church and uh, we're grateful for the men and women who support us in that goal uh, we do at this time have some further needs in our children's ministry i want to highlight one thing in particular Uh, our wednesday night spark ministry is currently at capacity uh, we, we've filled up all of our available spots, and really it's because we need a few more adult leaders to help us out with that. And uh, so we want to be able to invite as many kids as possible. If you've been kind of on the fence here recently about whether, hey, maybe this is an area I'd like to serve and help out with, I would love for you to stop by our next steps desk or contact Kelly Brogan this week, and uh, we'd love to get you some information about how you can help us uh, in that area, reaching those youngest kids in our church. It's uh, it's a real joy on Wednesday nights to be a Part of what goes on here. Now, I want to give a special uh, announcement for our men this morning. One of our uh, favorite highlights of the year here at Lakes Free Church is our annual men's advance. Uh, It's our annual retreat, except here at Lakes Free, our men don't retreat, we advance. And so uh, this year, once again, we are going to be going to Lake Beauty Bible Camp for a great weekend of fellowship and fun and great teaching. Tiger McClune is going to be our speaker this year. And uh, by the way, I've got a quick little promo video for you this morning just to highlight some of the fun we have at our men's advance. Take a look.
1: Me alegro de verte. Mi viejo amigo Rusty, tan locuaz. Vamos, capitán, no tenemos tiempo que perder. El tren del nuevo gerente llegará dentro de cinco minutos. ¿Qué, Rusty, te has enterado? Traen un nuevo gerente para el hotel. El que acepte ese puesto es un sinvergüenza o un imbécil. ¡Eh! ¿Alguien para el Hotel Casablanca? ¡Eh! ¿Alguien para el Hotel Casablanca? ¿Hotel Casablanca? ¡Ah! ¡Es el nuevo gerente! ¿Qué gerente? ¡Eh! ¿Alguien para el Hotel Casablanca? ¡Eh! ¿Alguien para el Hotel Casablanca? ¡Yo, yo, yo! ¡Yo voy a ese No, no le dejarán pasar. Eh, ¡Eh! ¿Le dejarán entrar a usted? ¡Claro! ¡Pues ya no le dejarán! ¡Soy el nuevo gerente! Con que usted es el nuevo gerente, tiene gracia, hombre. Eh, el, eh, el, el Hotel equipaje. Casablanca le da la bienvenida, puede creerme. Ni siquiera creo en mí. Pero debe tener confianza en este servidor. Vamos, vamos. Eh, le gustará el empleo, ya verá. ¡Ah, sino! ¡Cam! ¡Cómpre! largo de aquí! Debe tener cuidado con estos tipos. Le sacarán lo que puedan. ¿Y usted qué? Yo le llevaré al hotel. ¿Cuál es su oficio? <risa> no tengo oficio. Yo me gano la vida con los camellos. ¿Qué hace usted con los camellos? Son mis taxis. Soy el presidente de la compañía de camello taxis. ¿Es usted el único que tiene camellos aquí? Ah, está usted loco. Hay otros que me hacen la competencia. Eh, mire. Debe ser muy caro el viaje, ¿no? Mire qué preciosidad. Es ¿Su mujer? No, es mi taxi. Debe usted gastarse una fortuna en chicle. Vamos, le llevaré al hotel.
0: Well, that's just a little foretaste of the fun that we have at our men's advance every year. So guys, I want to invite you to join us for this. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, again, great chapel sessions, great fellowship, lots of fun, golfing, shooting, uh, Frisbee golf. I mean, lots of great activities up there. And best of all, it's just a great way to meet other men here at Lakes Free Church. So we'd invite you to join us and you can sign up today at our next steps desk or go to our Lakes Free Church website. Uh, and again. That's only three weeks away, so don't don't miss out. Make sure to get signed up. All right, I'm going to invite you to join me for a word of prayer, and then our worship team is going to lead us in some great worship this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for the blessing of being gathered together as your people. And Lord, we are especially excited as we begin a new ministry year here at Lakes Free Church. Lord, you've been faithful to us over a difficult season, and we're going to trust your faithfulness as we go forward. But, Lord, we are just excited to be gathered as your people to praise you, to to honor you, to glorify your name, to come into your presence, to study your word together, to to grow in fellowship with one another, to serve on mission together. All of these things that you have called us to as your church, Lord. So we commit ourselves to you this morning, and we pray, God, that you would move powerfully, powerfully in this place, not only today, but in each of the coming days and weeks ahead of us in this brand new year of ministry here at Lakes Free Church. To you be the honor, glory, and praise, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your great name. Amen.
2: Well, we want to invite you to stay with us this morning as we begin our worship time.
0: Wow, what an awesome way to start our morning and kick off our fall. Because he lives. That's what it's all about, right? We're here because we worship a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And thank you for that great, uh, great round of songs and praise, Chaz, and reminding us of those precious truths. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning as we turn our hearts to God's Word. We're going to be starting a new sermon series today. And uh, let's just ask the Lord to, to bless our time together as we uh, open up the book of 1 Peter. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And uh, Lord Jesus, we praise you today. We are here worshiping a living, reigning, resurrected Savior. And you are our Lord and our King. And so, Jesus, we just thank you for what you have done for us, the hope you've given us, the promises you've made to us. And Jesus, we are here worshiping as your people. We give you praise, God. We pray that as we turn now to your word once again, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate the truths that you inspired the apostle Peter to write for the sake of the church, for the sake of our hope and assurance and confidence in you. And Lord, we pray that as we look to your word and as your spirit illuminates these truths that we would be moved to greater trust, to greater love, to greater passion for you. And so uh, we are just anxious and expectant to see how you're gonna be at work through the power of your word here today and in the coming weeks as we study this great letter together. We pray all this in Jesus' great name, amen. Friends, let me ask you a question. I want you to be honest with me this morning. How many of you have ever wrestled with homesickness? How many of you have ever re- wrestled with homesickness? I see some hands out there. Okay, good. I'm glad we got a group of honest people here this morning. I- I'm going to admit... I have basically my whole life struggled with homesickness. It, it was especially bad when I was a young kid, but even today, as an adult, I, when I have to go on trips, especially if I'm away from my family, uh, that it's tough. It's hard on me, and, and it, it's funny because God has, over the year 46 years of my life, has led me all over the world. I've been to you know six co- continents and 30 some countries, and and so He's taken me all over the world away from home. But every time I go. It's hard. I miss home. I I, I love the comfort of being in a familiar place with my family and my friends and my church around me. And homesickness has been a reality. When I was a little kid, I really struggled with homesickness. I, I was one of those kids that would get invited to a friend's birthday party, sleepover, and like at midnight, his parents would be calling my mom and dad. Uh, hey, I think you're going to need to come pick up Jason. You know, I'd get the inevitable tummy ache, and I don't feel so well. And you know, my mom and dad, I could see them on the other end of the line rolling their eyes. Okay, not this again. Well, that was kind of my regular routine as a kid. I just, you know, I I just liked being home. I like having mom and dad there for me. And the worst experience of homesickness that I ever had, though, bar none, was my fifth grade year. Fifth grade year, I was invited to go to Trout Lake Camp with a friend from church, one of my best friends, uh, and uh, we decided that we were going to go to Trout Lake Camp. Now, I had resisted going to camp up to this point, but I had just finished my fifth grade year. I was going into junior high, you know, so I had to kind of step it up now at this point and, and uh, you know, take a step of faith, go to camp. So I went to Trout Lake Camp, and uh, very first afternoon we get there, The very first meal we had was out on the the camp lawn, and it was cold corn dogs and tater tots. (laughs) Now, for a kid who likes the comforts of home and who is already feeling a little bit uneasy about being away for five days, right, to have your very first meal, cold corn dogs and tater tots, was not reassuring to me at all. And that was the beginning of a downward spiral that day into a severe bout with homesickness. And I was just an emotional wreck. I mean, I'm walking around camp. I'm literally crying my eyes out. My face is flush red. I mean, everybody I walk by is asking me, hey, are you okay? You know, what's going on? And here I am, this you know, little fifth-grade boy, just like, I just want to go home. I miss mom and dad. And, well, of course, you know, all the counselors are just trying to reassure me, oh, you're going to be okay. It's going to be great. You're going to have a fun time. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I just want to go home. And, well, that night... That night, I hatched my escape plan. (laughs) You see, I had noticed while I was walking around camp that day that over by the camp offices, there was a payphone, the old school phone booth, you know, with the doors and the payphone. And I thought to myself, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night when my cabin's asleep. I'm going to sneak out to the payphone. I'm going to call Mom and Dad, and I am going to beg them to come and get me, to come and rescue me. So that night, we all went to bed. I'm watching, I'm waiting for all the guys in my cabin to fall asleep. I, I notice my counselor finally falls asleep. It's probably about 11, 12 o'clock at night. Everybody's quiet. And I decide this is my moment. And I'm going to stealthily sneak out of my cabin. And so I zip out of my sleeping bag and I start walking really quietly like a ninja through the cabin and then up the path to the camp. I mean, it's pitch black out and I'm terrified outside in the dark. But I mean, I'm going home. I don't care what it takes. I'm getting home. Well, I finally make my way all the way down to the center of camp where the camp offices were, where the camp phone booth was, and I go to the camp payphone, and I pull on the door to open it, and to my dismay, I notice that they had locked the phone booth. They locked the phone booth that night! Why would you do that? Now again, does this reassure me at all as a homesick kid? No, I am in prison. I knew this was a prison camp. (laughs) So I'm out there pulling on this phone booth, rattling this door, trying to get this thing to open up. I'm making such a racket that up the hill from the phone booth, the camp program director had his house. And all of a sudden, a light comes on outside his door. And he comes marching out. He thinks there's a bear outside, you know, messing with the camp. I'm making such a racket out there. And he comes up and says, hey, you know, what's going on? And I just, you know, very politely admitted, I just want to go home. Well... The camp program director had obviously dealt with homesick kids many times, and so he brought me up to his house. He woke up his wife, and they sat me down at their kitchen table with a helping of milk and cookies, and they tried to comfort me and reassure me. They even let me sleep in their own home that night. I slept in one of their kids' bedrooms, and and, uh, the next morning, the camp program director said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call your mom and dad, and they let me call home that morning, and I'll tell you what. Making that call home made all the difference in the world to me. I was able to talk to my dad, and my dad shared with me words of assurance. He reminded me of his love. He reminded me of his promise, Jason, Friday morning, I am going to be leaving first thing, heading to camp to come and pick you up. Jason, you can count on it. I'm going to be there. And friends, I'm going to tell you, it was those words of comfort those words of assurance, those promises from my father that made all the difference in the world. Now, I'll admit, I was still homesick the rest of that week, but I clung to those promises from my dad that he was coming for me. And it gave me the assurance to keep going through that belt with homesickness. Now, you guys might not have as dramatic of a story as that, but I will be uh, surprised if many of us here can't relate to the reality of feeling away from home, away from all that's comfortable, longing to be back where we belong. All of us know the the reality of homesickness to one degree or another. And today, we're going to be starting a new sermon series in the book known as 1 Peter. 1 Peter is actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Peter to homesick Christians to Christians who knew the reality of feeling far away from home in a strange place longing to have the comfort of daddy our heavenly father to encourage and support them and just like these Christians 2000 years ago we're going to see and resonate with the reality of of being Christians far from home followers of Jesus who who often feel out of place in this world Who carry the burdens and anxieties of being in a strange land, who desperately long for the opportunity to hear from our Heavenly Father, His words of comfort, assurance, promises. This is what the letter of 1 Peter is all about it's a letter for homesick Christians. And while this letter might have been written 2,000 years ago, what we're going to find as we study this together is that it is just as relevant and necessary for us today. This is a timeless letter written for the church in all ages. And I believe that in the coming weeks, as we study the letter of 1 Peter together, we're going to find God is going to reveal some powerful truths to us, truths that are going to minister in a very profound way, to our homesick hearts. Homesick hearts as we live in this world that is truly not our home. I want to give you some background on the book of 1 Peter as we start this morning. 1 Peter, as I mentioned, was written by the Apostle Peter. It was written to a group of Christians in a geographical region of the world 2,000 years ago known as Asia Minor. Asia Minor is the territory that we know as modern-day Turkey. I've got a map of it here on the screen for you and for your reference here this morning. Just to give you some some sense of scale, the, the size that we're talking about here in this, this region of Asia Minor that Peter was writing to, churches spread throughout this region. The size of this region would be comparable if you were to put the states of New York, Pennsylvania, and Ohio together. All right. So so we're talking about a pretty pretty broad and, and big region that Peter's writing to. And, and these were Christians who were dispersed in cities and churches throughout this territory. This book of 1 Peter was written in the early 60s AD. So we're talking roughly 30 years after the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. We just finished last week a study in the Gospel of John. Uh, Pastor Stephen wrapped it up for us in John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, those events happened 30 years prior to the letter that we're going to be reading today. So, Peter's writing again 30 years later after those events that we've just recently come out of studying. And he's writing to a group of Jewish and Gentile converts. The the churches in this region of the world were made up of both Jews and Gentiles, pagans, who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And they found themselves living in a strange land, a, a land of different customs, a land of different beliefs. This was once their homeland. But now, because of turning to Christ, they found themselves in the reality of being out of place. They knew the reality of of homesickness. These were Christians who 2,000 years ago were facing the reality of increasing opposition because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These men and women knew the realities of oppressive civil governments and, and the authoritarian power of the Roman Empire. They, they knew the reality of cultural opposition because of their choice to follow Jesus as the one and only true God in a world filled with a, a multiplicity of pagan deities. The, these were men and women who understood the social pressure of, of not conforming and participating in, in the rituals and in the, in the, in the social activities of their pagan world. They didn't indulge in the, in, the, in the sexuality of their culture. They didn't indulge in the parties of their culture. They didn't indulge in the pagan worship of their culture. And so because of this, they faced various social pressures. They knew what it was to, to lose jobs for the sake of Christ. They knew what it was to lose friends for the sake of Christ. They knew what it was to even lose family for the sake of living for Christ. And sadly, some of them were even beginning to face the growing reality of martyrdom for the cause of Jesus, giving their very lives for choosing to follow Christ. You know, when you think about this backdrop, it's not all that different from our world today, is it, friends? The reality of oppressive governments, cultural opposition, societal pressures... In many parts of the world today, even martyrdom. A hundred million Christians this morning live in places of severe religious persecution where losing their lives for the cause of Christ is a true reality each and every day. And so this is the the backdrop to which Peter is writing. And and while we can resonate with much of this, the reality is we shouldn't be surprised by any of this If you recall what we studied back in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 15, Jesus told his followers, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. This is the reality of the church for 2,000 years. We are not of this world. And so Peter is writing to Christians 2,000 years ago. He's writing to Christians today. He's writing to Christians in all ages who understand the reality of being chosen out of this world and because of that, living with the reality of opposition and oppression and consequences when we pick up our cross to faithfully follow Jesus Christ. Peter's writing this letter as an apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostle in the Greek is apostolos. It means a sent one, one who has been sent on a mission. And here we find in this letter, Peter fulfilling the commission that Jesus had given him. Remember just last week, John chapter 21, Jesus pulled Peter aside on the beach of Galilee and said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And three times that morning, Jesus declared to Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter had taken that commission seriously for 30 years. He had become one of the chief shepherds of the new church, the New Testament church. And so here in 1 Peter, we find Peter writing under his apostolic authority as a chief shepherd, a pastor of the church. And and much of the power in this letter is found in in that this letter was written not only by an apostle, but it was written with the authenticity of a man who intimately knew the cost of following Jesus. Everything we're going to hear in Peter's letter this morning were realities that Peter himself had experienced. Peter knew what it was to face opposition and persecution for the sake of following Jesus. In fact, in just a few short years after writing this letter, Peter would lay down his life as a martyr. He would be crucified upside down by the Roman Empire under the authority of the evil emperor Nero. And so when we read Peter's words, we're reading the words of a seasoned veteran who knows what it is to be homesick in this world. But while homesick in this world, to hold fast to the truths and promises and assurances that God has given us to sustain us as we live in this world far from home. Today as we begin this new series, here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to do something a little bit unusual. We're going to read the entire letter of 1 Peter. We don't get to do that very often here because often we're studying long books like John and it takes us a full year to get through them. But when Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago, he wrote it as a letter to churches in this region of the world, real people, a real place. And put yourselves in the shoes of these original hearers who received this letter. There was no email. There was no Facebook or Twitter. You couldn't pull out your cell phone and get the latest news from any country in the world. These were Christians who were truly living on their own, isolated from one another, from regions far away, from other Christians and churches. And they were homesick, and they were desperate to hear a word of encouragement. And just imagine the joy when one of their under-shepherds shows up at their church gathering on a Sunday morning. It says, you won't believe what arrived this week. We received a letter from the Apostle Peter. Friends, can you imagine how that would have encouraged their hearts? How that would have buoyed their spirits? And so today, I want us to read the letter of 1 Peter with that backdrop in mind. Christians who were longing to hear a word of encouragement. And God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inspired the Apostle Peter to share these words with these Christians. We're going to read this letter, and then I want to come back this morning, and I want to spend a little bit of time focusing on the first five verses that we find in Peter's letter. In these first five verses, we're going to come back and we're going to look at three key reminders that are going to be foundational to everything that we see. They're three reminders that are really themes that run throughout the entire letter. So I want you to listen. Listen with joy, listen with expectation, listen as if you were one of those original first century Christians receiving good news from your pastor far away. You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of and the things that, you have now been, that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution "'and live to righteousness, "'and by his wounds you have been healed. "'For you were straying like sheep, "'but have now returned to the shepherd "'and overseer of your souls. "'Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, "'so that even if some of you, some do not obey the word, "'they may be won without a word "'by the conduct of their wives, "'when they see your respectful and pure conduct.' If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of grace, the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil. They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and does so, Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Wow. You think we're going to have enough to study here over the coming weeks? I was thinking about this book in recent weeks as I've been looking ahead to this sermon series, and it sort of reminded me as I was reading and studying 1 Peter, it reminded me of one of my favorite TV shows uh, on the Discovery Channel. There's a show called Gold Rush Whitewater. And it's about these guys who, who they go up in these rivers up in Alaska and they, they dive with dredging gear, these big suction tubes, that, and they dive into these plunge pools at the bases of waterfalls that are like natural gold catches, And as they dive into this frigid water and they're sucking through all the material and sediment, they start discovering gold. And the deeper they go, there's more gold. And the deeper they go, there's more gold. And and I kept thinking, this is just like 1 Peter. The deeper we go in the coming weeks, friends, the more gold we're going to see that God provides for us as his people. This morning, I want to just briefly return to the opening of Peter's letter. In the first five verses of chapter 1, we find some powerful words that really lay the foundation for everything that we're going to study in the coming weeks. In fact, these themes are are reminders to us of who we are and God's promises to us. They they give us hope in the midst of our homesickness, and we're going to see these reminders and themes repeatedly throughout the book of 1 Peter. Let's read verses 1 through 5 again together briefly. And I just want to highlight for us these three reminders for homesick hearts. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. in the last time. Here in these five verses, Peter shares with us three powerful reminders. Hope for homesick hearts. I want you to do something this morning, friends. If you got a pen or if you got your cell phone, I want you to write these three reminders down. I want you to write them in your Bible, in the back cover of your Bible. I want you to write them down, go home, put them on a Post-it note on your refrigerator or your mirror. These are three reminders that I promise you will sustain you through any trial, any tribulation, any opposition that you might face as you live as a follower of Christ in this world. Peter reminds us first and foremost, number one, in verse one, he reminds us who we are. Friends, know who you are. Peter says to the churches in Asia Minor, we are exiles of the dispersion. Know who you are, friends, you are in exile. You are in exile. In using these terms, Peter is identifying his readers and us and Christians of all ages with Old Testament Israel who experienced the reality of exile in Babylon. They were people living in a faraway land, far from home, far from all that was comfortable and normal to them. They were exiles in a foreign land. And here Peter begins his letter reminding us of the reality that we too are foreigners and strangers in a hostile land. Friends, this world is not our home. This world is not our home. We are exiles. And if we ever forget that, we will make a dramatic error as God's people. We are exiles in this world. This world is not our home. All throughout Scripture we find this reality taught. Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of fame of faith that lists famous men and, God, men and women of God who honored God. And in Hebrews eleven thirteen, 13, it says that all of these people, while they lived faithfully in this world, all of them recognized that they were strangers and aliens in this world. This world was not their home. They were looking forward to a heavenly home, an eternal kingdom. And in the same way, friends, we too need to remember, we are exiles. This world is not our home. Why does Peter open his letter with this reminder? I think there's two reasons. Number one, he wants us to remember, don't get too comfortable here. Don't get too comfortable here. It is so easy for us, even as followers of Jesus, to misplace our priorities in this world, to to misplace our priorities and to compromise with the values of this world. We, we begin to think that the stuff of earth is, is all that is and all that matters, and so we go about pursuing the things of the world just like the people of the world, and it becomes a life pursuing things like money and power and fame and status and sex and, and all the things that the world says gives life and meaning and purpose, but which we know, friends, ultimately are empty promises. But it's so easy for us to take our eyes off the truth of who we are. Strangers, aliens, exiles in this world. And so Peter starts out, he wants us to remind us, number one, this world is not your home. Live with eternity's values in view. This theme is going to come up over and over again in the coming weeks. Don't get too attached to the things of this world. Live with eternity's values and views. Secondly, I think Peter opens with this statement that we are exiles to remind us, don't be surprised by the reality of opposition in this world. Like Jesus says, I have chosen you out of this world. So, so when you face opposition and persecution, don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged. Don't, don't think God is, has suddenly lost control. No. This is the reality for exiles. Exiles. This world is not our home. We shouldn't expect to be embraced as friends when we are truly aliens and strangers, temporary sojourners just passing through. I think this is such an important principle for us in this day and age, friends, especially for us as American Christians because in our country we are quickly seeing the days of comfortable, culturally acceptable Christianity come to an end. It is going to become increasingly costly to follow Jesus in our world today. Many of our brothers and sisters around the world already know this reality. We are increasingly discovering it here. And so we need to look to God's word. We need to look to his truth to assure us, to comfort us, to guide us through these turbulent times. Secondly, Peter reminds us here in verse 2, not only do we need to know who we are, we need to know whose we are. Friends, write this down in your Bible. Write it on your refrigerator. Post it on your cupboards. Put it on your mirror. Who am I? Whose am I? I'm an exile in this world, but I'm not just any kind of exile. I am an elect exile according to the foreknowledge of God. Friends, that changes everything. We're going to see this theme repeatedly throughout Peter's letter, that we as followers of Jesus have been chosen by God. We are elect exiles. We may be strangers and aliens in this world, but we are strangers and aliens who have been chosen specifically by God. The word elect, the word elect in the Greek is electos. It means to be chosen, to be selected, to be hand-picked. And all throughout Scripture, we see the reality of God's special choosing love his covenantal love where god selects people to come into a covenantal relationship with him a relationship of love and intimacy god has elected us he has foreknown us from the beginning of this world friends we're going to talk more about this important point in the coming weeks but why does peter remind us of this reality at the outset of his letter that we are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God. Friends, Peter reminds us of this so that we can be hopeful that nothing we experience in this life happens outside of God's sovereign plan. And because of that, we can be a people of hope. We can live in the reality of opposition and trials and opposition as people of hope, knowing that God has chosen us and has placed his special love upon us, and has destined us to live in this moment, in this culture, in this time, in this season, and all of it was foreknown for the sake of his eternal glory. And friends, because of that, we can live as people of hope. Thirdly, Peter reminds us not only who we are, Not only whose we are, but he reminds us who we will be. Who we will be. And friends, this is so important. In verses 3 through 5, Peter begins in verse 3 with a doxology. The word doxa, doxa in Greek, means to ascribe glory, honor, and praise. And and so in verse 3, Peter begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a, it's like a statement out of a hymn. When we sing the doxology here at church on occasion, right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Right? That's the doxology. We sing that to ascribe honor and glory and praise. And here Peter is reminding us of the honor and glory and praise that God our our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, is due. And here, Peter reminds us that we are a people of praise because of the promises we've been given. And he goes on in verses 3 through 5 to list three crucial promises that we need to hold on to, promises about who we will be as God's people. Peter says, number one, we will be a resurrected people. He says that we have been born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we sang a few minutes ago, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I too share the resurrection hope of Jesus Christ knowing that the grave is not the end. But I too will one day experience Jesus' resurrection power. He's promised it, friends. So we'll be a resurrected people. We're also going to be a rewarded people. Peter goes on and he tells us that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, being kept in heaven. That word kept really can be translated as reserved. It's been reserved in heaven for you. In other words, friends, your name is on on God's guest list. If you have put your trust in Jesus, you are a chosen elect exile whose name is on God's guest list. You don't have to worry when you show up that you're going to have to try to crash that party. No, because he's going to see your name, and he's going to welcome you in, and you will experience the rewards of an eternal inheritance that is imperishable. It will never be destroyed. It is undefiled. It can never be corrupted. The stain of sin and the curse will never touch it again. It's not only undefiled, it's also unfading. In other words, it will never be diminished. It will never decrease. It will go on and on and on for all of eternity. And this is being reserved in heaven for us. So we're going to be a resurrected people. We're going to be a rewarded people. Thirdly, we're going to be a revealed people. Verse 5, this is all being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Friends, we know right now, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we see today only dimly as through a dark mirror. But one day we're going to see face to face. Right now, we see only in part. One day, we're going to see in full. One day, the Lord is going to return for his people. One day, we're going to die, and if we've put our trust in Jesus, we're going to enter glory. And on that day, whether the day of Christ's return or the day we meet him after our death, we will know in full, and we will experience the totality of our salvation. It will all be revealed. And friends, these are God's promises to us. Are you feeling homesick today, friends? If you're feeling homesick today, hang on to these three reminders. Who you are, whose you are, who you will be. These three reminders make all the difference as we go through life in this world. We're gonna see Peter bring these to our attention time and time again over the coming weeks as we mine the depths of this powerful letter. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word We're thankful for the power of your word. We're thankful for the truths that we discover here in your word, truths that can sustain us and encourage us and our homesick hearts as we live as strangers and aliens in this world. We look forward, Holy Spirit, to all that you're going to show us, all that you're going to do in us through the powerful words of the Apostle Peter. And we pray, Jesus, that you would be glorified through all of it and that your name would be famous here at Lakes Free Church and in our community and all around the world. We pray this to your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm going to leave you with these words from the book of Revelation chapter 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you and have a terrific week. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week and we will look forward to seeing you soon.